Hello, my friends. You know what time it is. Welcome back to another episode of the Mental Corner Podcast, the show where I bring on guests from all different backgrounds to talk all the things mental health. I'm, of course, your host, Harry Poffin, and today I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by Danielle DeGrandi. Danielle is a rebel life coach who uses her previous experiences with drug and alcohol abuse to now help sober women reclaim their power, ignite their inner badass, and build a life of freedom, passion, and purpose. Danielle was so much fun to have on, and I really want to thank her again for coming on and having this discussion with me. Now, before we get into the episode today, guys, you know the drill. If you're listening please like comment share subscribe give five stars if you're on that podcast platform share with someone who might want to hear this episode it's a really great one and i can't wait for you to listen i'll talk to you all very soon have a great rest of your day peace to go danielle thank you so much for joining me on the show today thank you so much for having me on it's my pleasure so the first question that i ask everybody is kind of a big one but what got you started on this journey of mental wellness oh (laughs) (laughs) well that's always a it's always a loaded question right it's where do you start in my opinion um you know we have all of these experiences in life that are like little tiny things that imprint on us And over the course of time, we just kind of end up at a place where we look back at everything that's happened up until this point, like, oh, all of that happened for a reason. Mm -hmm. So my journey of mental wellness, uh, personally, first started with myself. Um, It came through, yeah, doing a lot of, um, following a lot of, I want to say what, what society tells us that we're supposed to do in life and getting to a point in your life where you realize that maybe that's not working for you anymore. Um, You know, for most of my life, I had overcome and kind of dealt with a lot of my own personal mental health and wellness issues. And from what I knew at the time, it was just something that, you know, that I just had to learn how to live with. And I never liked that that option. I never liked just having to believe that something is just what it's going to be. Mm. So <laughs> I don't know if you can relate to that. Um, <laughs> I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of like, this is just, that is what it is. Um, so for myself personally, um, overcoming a lot of adversity, like I'm sure you and a lot of the people that listen to this, um, can relate to, you know, you start to get to a point where you start looking for a better way. Um, For me, my mental health and wellness also, you know, um, came with some other struggles that I dealt with um, when it came to addiction and alcoholism. And at the end of all this, you know, I really had to take a look in the mirror and say, okay, well, you have the power to change this. You have the power to change this. And that's what led me down the path over the past um, two and a half plus years of really taking my mental health and wellness into my own hands and completely transforming Uh, my life in a way that I never thought possible. Mm, I love that. So did anything in in particular prompt that you looking in the mirror going like, I need to do something, I need to do this for me? Or was it kind of eventually your body was just like, let's get, let's get on with this? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I am a, I am a big advocate of, like I said, agency, agency over your life and your health and all of the things. Um, For me, I went down the traditional path that um, when I was looking for 
you know, ways to cope with my mental health and wellness, ways to overcome, you know, the adversity and the addiction. I followed a lot of the things that you would consider the normal way to treat things, especially um, in our health system. And so I had, you know, gone down the route of uh, pharmaceuticals. I'd gone down the route of therapy. I'd gone down the route of treatment when it came to, to addiction. And a 10 years along that journey, multiple times cycling through this loop, I almost want to call it this loop of still never finding lasting relief um, from what I was dealing with. I knew that I had to change something in that regards. And it wasn't until, you know, I got to the point where I really was like, okay, it's up to you to change this. But it was really getting curious about like, why, why are all these things that are considered normal and the ways that you kind of put people into a box when, when treating symptoms, why have this not worked for me? And can there be other people that maybe can relate to this? And so for me, it was a, it was like aha moment of it's time to do something different in your life. And then it was getting really curious on what other options were available um, that maybe weren't found in the traditional sense. Mm, I love that because I mean, for me, I was never curious at the beginning. I was kind of just like, it, this works for people, so it'll work for me. And then when it doesn't, you're like, oh, I'm I'm garbage. I'm a yeah. failure. Oh, totally. You begin to think it's all about you and then the shame builds up, right? The shame that builds up when it's not working and, and you feel like the problem. And then I, I don't know if maybe in your experience, but for me, um, that led me even more inward and more with more shame and more, there must be something fundamentally wrong with me as a human being. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. What, when did those, did those thoughts ever go away where you're like, Oh, or there's something wrong with me fundamentally. You know, when, when this started to become, and, and, you know, this is a kind of a, a, a journey, right? So oh. over the course of time, I'm going to say like 10 years is really when I was in this window of knowing that there was something that I needed, that it needed to improve in my life. And I was I was constantly running into walls, right? Um, I'd have short-term relief um, and then go back to old COVID mechanisms and things wouldn't work or, you know, so on and so forth. And, you know, it really came down to, yeah, it just, it came down to the point where I knew that there had to be a better way. Mm, yeah. Man, it, 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 I think, uh, yeah, I guess this, this is a question that kept coming up in my mind yeah. when, when I was writing, but so often when you hear that people are struggling mentally, yeah. you know, it, it's better now, but for the last couple of years, it, the last couple of years, the dialogue's been changing, but for the most part, people still have a hard time believing it every now and then, just because it's not really something you can see as someone... Right from the outside looking in for the most part. I mean, obviously, you know, you see symptoms and everything, but there's still that lack of belief. So as someone who's gone through it, like how would you best describe it for people? Like how, how would you best describe the impact physically that you felt when you were in that low place mentally? Yeah. Yeah. I would say in one word, there's a lot of words to describe it, but I would say hopeless. That's what comes to mind when I think of that. Um, you know, to piggyback on your last question that you asked that I don't think I fully answered, um, it, it, there was some really dark times, right? Some really dark times. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. For me, it was a point where it was like, it was life or death. I was like, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to keep going on if this is how life is going to be. This isn't, it was very black and white for me. I felt like all of the color in the world and the joy was muted out. And it was just very, 
it was a really dark place. And, and like I said, once again, not only were the physical and, you know, mental symptoms there, but then the emotional symptoms that come with that and the shame and the guilt and the feeling of, you know, what's wrong with me and the feeling of, you know, not being able to show up as a, as a productive member of society, and then feeling like you're behind on everything that we're supposed to be, whatever that means, right. In our, in our society and in our culture of just like, you need to do more to be more. And if you can't function in society, then you're basically, you know, you're useless. And I felt like that. And so it was very much so, um, when my mental health and took a toll in the way that it did, it, it prevented me from being able to show up and work. It prevented me from able to being able to leave my house. And at that point, um, like I said, I mean, at that point, it kind of strips you away of the things that, um, yeah, like just basic human needs get stripped away. And then you're left with just this hopeless feeling that this will always be where you are um, because you've tried everything else and nothing's worked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you nailed it. That that hopeless feeling is so, it, it makes you feel so empty because you're like, yeah. I literally have nothing to give anybody. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. You got to love yourself first. Right. And if you can't do that, then it's hard to, to love others. I mean, that's just how it is. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Now, did you ever, were did you ever talk to friends and family about what you were going through as you were going through it? Or was that kind of like a topic afterwards as you were getting recovery? Yeah. You know, um, I, there, obviously there's a, there's a huge, there's a huge stigma, stigma against mental health and wellness. And we're seeing obviously with everything that's happened with the pandemic and more people advocating for, you know, um, coming out and expressing, you know, really the things that they've gone through, we realize more, more nonetheless that mental health and wellness affects all of us. Um, for me growing up, uh, it, I didn't notice it like starting to affect my life and until my twenties when it started like preventing me from being able to do things that were that were just things that I've always done. And so at first I was like, I had that suck it up mentality, right? Like suck it up, put on the face, go to work, do the thing. And slowly over time, I would find myself soothing with other coping mechanisms to, to that was the way I was able to regulate my nervous system and, and calm my mental health in that moment, right? And mm. then we know when you pair those two together, right? The effects thereafter kind of compound and then you're left with, multiple things that I need to be addressed in your life. Um, I, I, I remember mentioning it to my family, um, and to people, but it was still one of those things where I felt really, I felt like I really had a guard up. Um, I remember the first time that I went and was proactive about seeking treatment. I was living in New York city and I made an appointment with a doctor and I was super scared because I was like, I'm going to have to, you know, put on a good face and answer these questions and try to be, you know, normal and put together. Mm -hmm. And I just remember walking in this big stuffy doctor's room and sitting down with this doctor and, you know, asked me like three questions and wrote me three prescriptions. And I was on my way and I was like, I felt so, um, so like disregarded and so shameful of that experience too. And that's kind of like where it started, but I just have that vivid memory of that. Um, and, and at that time, people weren't really like, it's not like it is today. Nobody was talking of, there wasn't like mental health and support groups. Right. And so it's just like, okay, now I have the things to fix the symptoms. I'm going to go back to life per se. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, I had a story similar. I think I shared it with you off camera mm -hmm. about medication, but man, that, pff, 
when that happens and they just write it, yeah. it the thing you just mentioned it, the three questions they ask, mm-hmm. it, it's not even like they dove into, okay, no. what's <laughs> causing this? It's like, oh no, you're broken. Here's yeah. some tape. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it's like, here's these prescriptions. Um, it, right. There's nothing about the actual like layers underneath, right? There's more to a person than just the, the things, you know, the symptoms that they say that they have. And it's what's the most interesting to me about the treatments of mental health is how we are so quick to just, you know, assume that this, without looking at the rest of the, the mind, body, the connection, everything. Um, and yeah, and it was like, okay, here's, here you go. You're going to feel really terrible for a while. And if it doesn't work, come back we'll fix your medication and keep and it was like that song and dance I was in and out trying all these different things and just always felt like I was kind of flatlined and we can probably talk about it more but um yeah I never really got the relief that I was hoping that I get from that mm-hmm. yeah did you ever get um misdiagnosed I don't think so. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I can see that. I can see that happening very easily, right? The, when we go in to do assessments for mental health, it's the one assessment where we don't look at any other part of the body, right? Or, or the brain. We don't look at the actual brain. We just use our words and say, this is what's happening. And then we get classified into a thing. So I've never been personally misdiagnosed. I do not believe. Um, but who's to say, right? Who's to right. say, that that's the case and that doesn't happen for many people is that your experience um only once and it wasn't that big of a deal but yeah. i was told that i was an addict like substance addiction and i was like um no i'm not i think i would know yeah. and it wasn't it, i mean it, it was no big deal at the end because it was it was a weird experience because the doctor told me that and i was like no and they're like oh, okay maybe you're right i'm like why would you even tell me that why would you even tell me that that's interesting yeah I do remember um I've had a similar experience though where I I went into another this is a couple years later um to another doctor when I had moved and at the time I was not only was dealing with mental health but I was also like coming to terms with the fact that like I might have a problem with alcohol Hmm. and one of the things that they recommended was a certain medication to help curb alcohol cravings which we know that's not true, but it was just right. interesting to see like, oh, here's another thing and to take on top of that. Um, and this should give you reprieve with your your cravings to drink. And I was like, I don't know about that, but <laughs> mm. it was interesting. It was a really interesting thing as well that I just remembered as we're talking. There's always one pill that works. Isn't there? <laughs> oh. A magic pill. Now, yeah. Let me know when they come out with that. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, maybe Pfizer will come out with one or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, on the topic of pills, um, yeah. when you were when you were on anti, what was your experience with antidepressants? Like, did you have a negative reaction the first time? Oh yeah, I had yeah. a terrible reaction. Um, I've taken most most of the ones that you can probably you know identify with. Um, and there was periods in my uh, of my life when I was in like healthier condition when I wasn't drinking um we know that you're not supposed to drink and take prescription medications right but mm-hmm. most of the world does consume alcohol and so for you know that that definitely was like something that i think um you know might have had a little bit of a an a, an influence on maybe them not working but i never felt necessarily great i remember feeling horrible um feeling really terrible 
And there was just a brief period of time where I felt like they worked. And then other than that, I felt, I felt maybe a little bit better, but I definitely felt numb. Right. Numb. Numb. Yeah. Yeah. And the flatlining came with that as well then? Mm -hmm. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Now, did you ever bring that up with your doctor? Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Because for me, I got the same thing. I felt numb and my brain felt flatlined. And I was so hesitant to go to my my doctor because I was like, it'll work eventually. Right. And they tell you it will. They tell you that you're supposed to just deal with that. And that's another thing that I just didn't like. I didn't like the, I didn't like the fact that, like I said, now, from now what I know to this day to what I knew then, right. I was, I was a hundred percent listening to somebody else's advice and believing it wholeheartedly that this was another thing that if I couldn't just get right, then there was something wrong with me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when did, when did you stop taking the antidepressants or do you still take them? I do not. No, I do not. So, um, I, so I've been sober from drugs and alcohol from two years and seven months. Uh, the last time that I went to treatment up until that point, I had, um, taken prescription medication. And then when I was in treatment, once again, I met with a doctor who wrote me my prescriptions. Um, when I got out, I, I learned a lot more, um, you know, in the early stages of recovery, just about the mind, the body, the connection between the two. And when I got out, I was like, you know, I'm going to try this other direction. And if this other direction doesn't work, then I have my prescription medication and I can go back to that. And it was at that point in time that I I remember having those bottles. And then I remember making the commitment to myself that, you know, no matter what, there was always another, another route I could take. Um, I ended up never having to take a single prescription medication ever again to this day. And Hmm. that was, you know, kind of a, a total different approach than, than what I had, um, what I had done in the past, but it was really taking into account, you know, all aspects of mental, physical, uh, wellness in a holistic manner, focusing on the mind body connection and bringing in exercise and changing my eating habits that really gave me, you know, reprieve once and for all. Mm-hmm. I feel like that the, the mind gut connection often gets overlooked when we're talking about mental wellness, because well, I mean, for me anyway, when I first started learning about the mind gut, I was like, what? I, I thought the brain was its own organ that operated yes. alone. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. No, it, how, how, in, cause you've done obviously the research and the work, like how, how does that mind gut connection even work for people? Yeah. yeah great question. I think that, um, Luckily, with emerging science, right, what they know about the gut is is still evolving and we're learning a lot more. But yeah, I mean, when you think of the word mental health, right, you think of the brain. Most people think of the brain. That's the first thing that comes to mind. And normally with an SSRI or something else, we're treating the brain, right? Mm -hmm. We're treating the brain to produce more of the neurotransmitters and chemicals to balance out the serotonin, the dopamine, all of the things to... um, relieve the anxiety and depression. And one of the the biggest things that we're seeing now is that the gut actually produces more serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, norepinephrine. These are the chemicals that make you happy, that make you motivated, that make you feel connected, like connectivity and love that help you relax. We're seeing that they produce more in the gut than they do in the brain. So not to say that 
sometimes like people might need to take a route of prescription medication for a little bit and there's nothing wrong with that. But one of the things that, um, that I learned that blew my mind is that frontline therapies in some of the other countries are not pharmaceuticals, right? They take a look at, is there a way to balance out your body in a more holistic manner before the, the medications? And I'm sure that, you know, you and I, if we were ever given that option, we might've said, yeah, I'll give that a try first. And so what I like about the emerging science behind gut health is it kind of looks at the individual and says, okay, if we treat your gut and we can produce more of those chemicals to balance out the brain, since they are produced there, and you can get ahead of some of these feelings, then, then that can be another option as well. And so with, I could geek out on the science all day, but it's just really cool to see like the direction that this is going in and to see for someone like myself um, that this is something that actually works. So I definitely encourage anyone to, yeah, like really open your mind to it because at first it might sound a little crazy. You're like, that sounds like absolute nonsense. I don't believe it. What are you talking about? Why is it my doctor said that? And once again, it comes back to that, like educating yourself agency over your health in your life and then learning more about your body mm. and your brain. Yeah. I did not know that about the gut. Yeah. That's yeah. If you, if you don't know anything about that connection, you hear that like the serotonin thing immediately, my brain goes, no. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, that's bullshit. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of really good books on this, but it's, I mean, it's completely true. And that's why we see, right. Like you think of the connection when you talk to some, to someone that has anxiety or depression, right. There's also normally physical symptoms that come with that. Sometimes there's a lot of pain, um, poor sleep, lack of energy, lack of motivation to do something. Um, and you really start to think about that, like, mm, okay, right. That really makes a lot of sense. And then you, if you tune into your body enough, you can start to really see like when I, when I get that gut feeling, right. When I get this sense of, or the butterflies in my stomach and it's like, and it triggers those emotions in my body and my brain. It's like, we can really see like, they're so much more connected through the vagus nerve than we ever knew. And so optimizing your gut helps with better mental wellness and that that comes with you know there's different modalities you can do but it's it's really cool and really mm. fascinating stuff yeah that's awesome okay let's geek out for a little bit because i'm very interested <laughs> in this um how so how how do you activate those like that serotonin yep. from the gut like do, yep. do you give it food that it yep. likes like i don't even know yeah. what okay. it works so we have more, um, you have more gut bacteria. Basically, you're made up of all bacteria. You're 1% human. So that's it. That's my TED talk. Thank you for coming. Oh, yeah. what the fuck? Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, so we're all, um, we're all like living, we have a bunch of organisms, a bunch of bacteria in our bodies. And when we have an offset of those bacteria in our bodies, and that could come from, you know, antibiotics as a child, lots of them. Um, the foods that you've eaten for a long period of time, long, you know, not taking care of your physical health, medications over a long course when they were intended for a short, right? That kind of weaken the immune system and, um, and fight off your body's ability to really be resilient and, and fire on all cylinders, we'll call it. Um, so your gut, right? So if there's a hundred trillion bacteria in your gut and you feel symptoms, say you're like, okay, well, I have anxiety and depression. I can feel a little bit like I have, I can classify myself in that area, but I also like, I can't concentrate. I feel like I have brain fog. I'm walking around in a cloud. I have really bad digestive issues. Like we have, there's all these things that when I talk to somebody that's like 
the, the listening to the things that they um, that they're dealing with, it normally comes down to those things, right? Low, low energy, lack of sleep. And so what normally happens is that it's a dysbiosis in your gut. So there is an, the population of good bacteria are overpowered by the population of bad bacteria. And so you can do what's called an intervention where you kill off the bad gut bacteria. These are normally the, the ones that are signaling to your brain, like eat more sugar, mm. eat lots of junk food. You can do an intervention and that, that comes through um, taking certain strains of prebiotics, probiotics, phytobiotics, and psychobiotics, which we can talk about, but also eating for optimal mental wellness, moving your body regularly, getting proper sleep, and, and of course, just managing the stress levels of everyday life. And so it's kind of this, this component, this wheel of, of the things that you can do to help that, but then also the intervention of the body as well. What is a psychobiotic? Yes, I'm glad you asked. So uh, psychobiotics are new strains of probiotics that are specifically formulated for, because for example, right? If somebody said, I drink kombucha and I take a probiotic, mm -hmm. I deal with, that's my gut health and regimen. And what most people don't know is you have to match the strain to the species. So if you're, um, if you're taking a strain, a probiotic strain, and it's a strain for, you know, anything you can think of it, it's not the strain that you're looking for, then basically that it won't, it won't treat what you're wanting. So you're wanting to make sure out of the thousands of strains of probiotics that you're getting the right ones to help with the symptoms that you're looking for. So psychobiotics are a new, um, a new strain of probiotics specifically designed to help with anxiety, depression, and stress. Interesting. Yeah. And when did those get introduced? So those have been, so a lot of this has come out of the gut microbiome project out of UCLA. So that's where a lot of this emerging science is from. Um, there is a really incredible doctor. I believe his name is Dr. Emron Mayer, who does a lot of uh, books on the gut microbiome, but this is all emerging new science. And so this is within the last three to five years that we're seeing um, this information come out. Uh, we've known all about the gut for a really long time, but now we're seeing the emergence of new things to actually correlate um, mental wellness as well, which is really cool. So, mm. it, it's yeah. almost it it almost feels like a disservice when people think that just a happy pill is going to work on everything. I feel like the human body and mind is just way too complex for that. Well, it's it's very like specific, right? I mean. Me and you are completely different in the way that we're our makeup and our build and the, the types of things that we have in our body were a little bit different. So if we just treat, you know, you and me the same, then we're not looking at like the actual person and everything, you know, the, the history, um, the diet, the health, all of the things that, that make you an individual. Right. So I, that's the, one of the things that for me was the, the biggest aha is, you know, and, and I'll be completely honest with you. It's like, I uh, sometimes I question whether or not a diagnosis that you get from a doctor is hundred percent accurate, mm -hmm. right? Um, could it be based on you, there's times where it can be, but how many people in your, like you said, have been misdiagnosed and so, and then end up on something for a short term and maybe they take it for a long term. And then I'm sure you've probably have heard, you know, people that have been on something for a long time and then coming off of that is almost equally as hard in its own sense 
for the body as well and the mind. Oh yeah. Yeah. My, that, that it happened to my grandma. Yeah. She, she went right off medication. She had been on it for like 20 years and yeah, it just, yeah, it, it's like, I, I, I think it, the, what she said, she was like, it's scary how impactful it felt like how dependent your brain gets on it yeah. without you yeah. even knowing. Cause you just take the pill and it's like, whatever it's making me better. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I have a lot of, a uh, lot of people that I know that, um, that that's happened to. Right. And, and it's unfortunate. And sometimes the things to treat that after that symptom is just another thing that doesn't work. And it just, it almost becomes a cycle that you get stuck in um, of, of trading one thing for the other. Um, and, and the long-term side effects sometimes are, well, in, in most sense, the long-term side effects are not always the best. Yeah, no, definitely yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, this is so interesting. I'm very <laughs> interested in this whole gut thing. Yeah. Because, yeah, no, I, it's in, because when you, when I feel really anxious, my gut hurts, honestly. Right. And your yeah. digestion and your stomach yeah. and, yeah, and you can't sleep. Like, I'll just, I'll tell you my, my experience. Um, I, when I heard this, I was like, okay, well at this point in my life, I'm willing to try anything. Like, what am I going to lose? Right. I had no intentions of this actually working. Right. I mean, this is, this is what we'll call like a not too happy time in my life. We'll just mm. say that. And, and I was, it was, it was a time kind of similar to when you asked me, what was the moment that you were like, I need to do something about it. It was this time. And I knew that I had taken a toll on my body and I had taken a toll on my mind. And I had thought that I had done some irreversible damages to my body, but I was like, I'm willing to, to try something. So I started taking, um, you know, some, some of these, uh, targeted supplements for the gut brain access. And I was like, okay, we'll see. And within, I'm going to say within 90 days, it felt like I call it, I always say it's like a light turned on. I felt like kind of that, that instance that I told you, like the black and white and the color aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I, the cloud that I had been walking in had been alleviated and I could finally see again. And over the course of time, right? Cause this is not instant gratification. This is root level healing. It's going to be different for everyone. It takes a little bit of time for your body to, to start functioning like a well-oiled machine. Um, but I feel, I feel better to this day, um, than I had do and or have in my entire life. And it feels like no other word that I can say besides, um, like optimal, like the, the optimal wellness, what you think about when you think of having the, the, you know, mental, physical, and emotional health all in balance. And, and it was something that it, it drastically changed my life. And, to this day, I still wonder where I would have been if I didn't learn about this. And I still continue down the route that I knew was the route that I was, you know, normally used to taking. I don't think I would have had um, half of the things happen in my life um, because I wasn't feeling well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm. So like take the risks is basically what you're saying take the risks. Yeah. Yeah. Take the risks, learn about it and, um, and be willing to try new things. I think that's a big thing for, for us is, um, we've all been kind of jaded with so many things over the past couple of years. It's like, I can't even listen to anything else, but, um, I like to, I look at science. I'm a big, I, I follow science. And if science is pointing me in the direction that I can try this, I, I don't think anyone has anything to lose by trying this route. Um, 
especially because we're starting, if you, anywhere you go nowadays, you'll see some kind of article or magazine cover or something that talks about, you know, all of the ways that pretty much we've known, like all of our lives that really help us, right? Like back from hundreds of thousands of years ago, we have these kind of ancient medicines and herbs and practices that we're seeing kind of do a 180 and mm. come back and it's like the mindfulness and all the things and so you know I think there's something to that and I think with the advances in science kind of taking those those old traditional methods that have worked um you know that's kind of how we get ahead of things and so I definitely think it's um from my experience uh it, it was game changer game changer for sure yeah no that's awesome yeah I, I hope I hope we get to a point where that's more widely accepted because still it's accepted now, but it's not discussed very often. I, I had a herbalist come on talking about the types of yeah. herbs that impact your mental health. And I was like, what mm -hmm. a plant. Oh yeah. It's all plant-based. It's ashwagandha. It's, it's all these different herbs. Right. And so mm -hmm. what I'm talking about as well is everything that, um, that worked for me was a holistic plant-based. Um, and once again, that sounds absolutely crazy, right? Like, <laughs> Like you're talking about a brain, a chemical imbalance. It sounds totally nuts. Um, but, but we're seeing that um, emerging and coming back. And so there's something to it. 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Now mm -hmm. in your experience, like um, with, with talking to people and yeah. doing the work that you do, what do you think are the biggest misconceptions when it comes to like stress management and like mental wellness management? Mm -hmm. Uh, that, that you can, that you can manage all of these things. If you just do more yoga and meditation, <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's a big lie because what, what it is at nine times out of 10, why people can't focus or it, it's because they have a dysregulated nervous system and a dysregulated nervous system goes down to what we're talking about with the vagus nerve and the mind gut connection. So if you can't regulate your body internally and have your body, do, then you can do all the yoga in the world and it's not going to work. But part of that is also eating for optimal mental wellness, right? So if you're fueling your body with, um, you know, with the wrong foods or you're getting not enough sleep, then you're, you can't get ahead of some of these things. So I think I see a lot of people, you know, they're like, but I do my morning routine and I meditate and I do yoga and I eat pretty healthy. Um, and, and a lot of times it's not a huge shift that they have to make, but they do have to, to do something internally. And that's kind of what I'm talking about with that root level healing that once you get your body balanced out, it's like that marker moment of complete change for somebody. Mm, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It, it, that's the thing is that it sometimes it's just a little change and you're like, why didn't I even try this before? like the little yeah that's that's a great misconception because that is so funny that you said that about yoga and meditation because yeah that happened it's part to me. of it it's part of it but it's not the it's not the cure right it's like right. you can't just do these these surface level you know quick fixes in order to you know when you're when you're repairing something inside the body mm -hmm. yeah definitely now on on the same note like how how can people at home start to develop like a a growth mindset. I know you mentioned that a lot. Well, like how, how, how do you start to develop that? Yeah, I think it's a choice. I think everything's just a decision. You make a decision whether or not you want to change. <laughs> and I know yeah. that sounds crazy, but most of the time, uh, it comes down to making a decision 
that isn't that this disrupts a little bit of your everyday life so that you're not in a continuous um, continuous loop of repetition. And I always recommend people start really small, right? They make a decision and then they smart, start with a small action. And a small action can be um, doing something different for yourself, right? Instead of watching the same news channel, you need to go for a walk instead, right? Instead of, you know, not eating your dinner or being healthy or try, try making something the night before. It's like all of these things for a growth mindset, it's just do something different for yourself. Do something different and be open to, to not thinking that everything you know is right. Be open to thinking that there's possibilities that you could learn something. So listening, learning, educating yourself, trying new things and breaking the, the continuous loop that keeps you stuck by right. taking small actionable steps. Right. A lot of us are in that loop right now. Oh, I know. <laughs> no, I have to say that I haven't been either. And I know when I'm in that loop because when I'm in that loop, I feel terrible, right? I feel terrible. I'm stressed. I feel burnt out. I feel I don't eat properly. Um, I, I don't get enough sleep. It's like that loop, that loop. Um, I'll notice when I'm in it because the things that, that I need to do for myself first, right? And the things that you need to do for yourself first before anything else comes in the world, right? We have to fill our own cup. And when those things start to get pushed to the side is normally when you're like, mm, something's out of balance, right? We try to always, always look at our lives in a wheel, right? Like where is, what's getting the least attention? And that's normally what needs to be the most nurtured. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people, especially in Ontario right now, are feeling that hard yeah. like it, yeah. it's almost it's almost impossible to avoid the news and the well I mean we're in lockdown again so yeah. it's hard to avoid that but yeah it's it, it's it's an interesting time because this is probably the most important time to practice proper stress management mm -hmm. and no one knows how to do it yeah you know I think it's it's another thing getting curious you know um I, I, I to know what it's like to be in lockdown. Now I'm not, not in the same sense that all of you um, are there, but I know that feeling, right? When you can't leave and you can't do the things that you want to do, you feel like you're trapped. Um, and I think something that you're doing is a great thing to show other people, right? Like where can you connect with other humans, you know, cultivate some type of hope, connectivity, like things like this, you know, um, maybe take a look at some of the things that you've always wanted to do and, and maybe, you know, start exploring them. And, um, yeah, I know that's easier said than done, but I think what you've developed during COVID with this, um, the, everything that you're doing is amazing. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't gas me up, please. Uh, no, but it's, it, it is true. I, I think that's been a reoccurring mentioned thing from a couple of guests recently yeah. on the show is like, you know, find one little thing every day that pushes you or makes you want to get out of bed. Because, I mean, I've had it too. When that, in, when that new lockdown announcement came on, and most Ontario people can relate to this, no. I didn't want to leave bed. I was like, oh, I'm going to crawl into a hole and never come out because that's that seems like the least stressful thing I can do right now. Yeah. But finding that one thing, like you need it. You need to keep going. Human beings, it, we're like sharks when they swim in the water. They can't, sharks can't stop swimming because they die. Yeah. It, it's it's kind of like humans. We can't stop doing everything. Yeah. 
I know. And then we have to actually like sit with our feelings and that's a whole nother thing. And, and, you know, just start small, right? Start small, whether you do, you know, pick up a new like thing that you do, try maybe some kind of exercise you never did, do a 30 day yoga challenge, cultivate a space in your house. It's a safe space, like a little a Zen place. That's something that I did that really helped. And yeah, now it's the perfect time to, you know, start learning about new things. I know for me, this was when um, I, when COVID hit is when I started to dive deeper into, um, into learning more about how I could withhold this and withstand this and become resilient, you know, when I wasn't able to leave my house and through that education and through learning and through being curious, um, it, it, you know, I started both of my businesses during that time and, and it was just a way for, um, me to be like, okay, well, what does the world need right now? What can I do and how can I serve? And that kept me going. It gave me, um, gave me hope in that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hope's, hope's all we can have, man. Yeah. I say that all the time, especially when the lockdown hit, I was like, I'm hopeful. I mean, I can't really offer <laughs> anything else. I don't know. <laughs> That's... Wait, I'll move some furniture around in my house. And <laughs> yeah. Cry while I do it or something. Uh, yeah. For, for people listening, like, if, ooh, this I'm sorry for this, but in one sentence, like how how can you, like, in one sentence, how can you give people? No, how am I gonna word this? Uh oh. How can people start to develop a sense of hope, or like maybe even find a way to regulate the stress that they're experiencing right now? Forget the sentence thing I said. I don't know why I said that. Okay. Um, I've got a couple things. Let's do it. I think, <laughs> uh, now more than ever is the time to connect to people that you love and care about, set up a, a routine, uh, to help regulate your nervous system. Maybe you need to call your mom more, right? Set up a time where instead of a time where you talk to your, the people that you love on a schedule that gives you something to, to both look forward to. That was something that really helped me too. um, find one thing, one thing that you can do that can help, um, that can help you move in this time right? Whether it's doing something low key, whether it's taking a walk outside, you can do that, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you'll freeze, but yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So maybe not the walk outside, but if you know what I'm saying, something and, and give yourself, instead of setting 30 day, like goals, like goals are not what you need to be setting right now. Just set, give yourself little tiny, little tiny things where you can set up t- some type of, um, some type of like schedule to keep you somewhere on track that you can start to cultivate like healthy habits while you're in this time. Um, I really think movement is one of the best things we can do for our mental health as well. And it doesn't have to be something crazy. Um, and then right now more than ever, um, just nourishing yourself with the foods that you eat, really, really making sure that you're eating high quality food to help with your mental wellness. Um, yeah, that's, those are kind of my tips and, and sleep as much as you need to. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> Yeah, man. No, it's all great points. And I think on kind of on that topic, my last question for you, Danielle, um, there, there's been a lot of stats coming out recently about, you know, all sorts of areas in mental health. I, I just read one where it said, um, well, I have it right here, but uh, the University of Michigan Medical School said that in the first 12 months of the pandemic, this isn't even currently, but in the first 12 months, um, the number of hospital admissions um, from adolescents with eating disorders more than doubled. Um, and then another stat I just read was like 17%, I believe, of 
teenagers and like young adults are considering suicide at right now because it's like, there's no, there's no hope for anybody. So what would you, if you were in a room with these people who are experiencing all these different types of, you know, challenges and kind of this lost sense of meaning, uh, what would you want to tell them? So with, with what you're talking about of like the deaths of despair that have happened that we've seen like uprise through COVID, right? Suicide rates, drug addiction, uh, mental health, all of these things, uh, it's more so than ever. It's not just thinking that mental health is for you and me, it's also for children and that there is just as much um, a way to start a child that is dealing with mental health issues on the same route of healing through the gut brain access as you or I would if we started down this route. Um, so once again, I think that it's, it's very important, especially for children, um, in this really kind of confusing time to, to learn about this as well, um, for everyone to educate themselves with this. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of these things that once again, most people don't know about, um, but it's available to us all. So that's, that's my thing is it's definitely educate yourself. And then, yeah, I mean, this is another, this is a really hard thing. How do you tell, um, you know, a child that's going through all this, that, that that's going to, that this is going to change. And I think now than ever, it's now more than ever, it's important for us to set examples and talk about this and really continue to do the work that we're doing to let people know that they're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that That's so important, especially because when I'm coaching the, yeah. the, the last swim practice I had before we locked down again, it was dead quiet. Yeah. You, they're usually like screaming and cheering and mm-hmm. you, you just feel for them because it's mm-hmm. like, how, how do you, like you said, how do you tell them that it'll be okay? Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's changed forever. I mean, it's definitely a, not an easy time as a child right now, but like I said, I think it's now more than ever. Um, we can use our story. We can use our voice. We can do all the things that we can to, to, you know, help people. Um, because in turn that also the, the law of reciprocity, right? We help someone else that helps us and just lending a helping hand to anyone right now, I think is, um, something we have control over. Yeah. hundred percent. Now, where can my listeners find you for any of the cool stuff that you've mentioned today? Yes. Yes. So most of the work that I, um, most of the stuff that I post is going to be over on Instagram. You can follow me at the Danielle de Grundy. Um, you can click my link tree. You can learn more about, uh, some of the um, stuff that we talked about with the gut brain access. You can learn how to contact me directly if you have any questions. Um, that would be the best place over there. Awesome. And I'll put that link down below. Danielle, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been a so pleasure. So nice to be on. I appreciate you so much. And thank you everyone for listening. Appreciate you. I appreciate you guys. That I'm just going to end it there. Have a good day. <laughs>